You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Jess from the Pioneers. I'm Corey from the Pioneers. I'm Anders Skagerberg, and this is the Earn and Invest podcast. 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 I once interviewed a physician who was feeling burned out by medicine. He worked long hours and felt the stressors piling up on him. His wishes to leave neatly coalesced with the fortuitous day that he discovered the financial independence retire early community while haphazardly Googling to find a way out of his increasingly stressful life. Fire was the answer. His attempts to grind out the next few years, however, were thwarted by intense exhaustion. His breath wore out way before he could finish the sprint. Gasping for air, it occurred to him that if he cut his schedule in half, it might take a bunch more years to make it to financial independence, but life would not only remain affordable, but his days would be a heck of a lot more bearable. Armed with this new sense of autonomy and control over his life, something strange and unexpected happened. He found himself enjoying work again, even in his full-time schedule. The burnout had receded. Maybe we can learn something from this wayward physician. Maybe we are running a marathon and not a sprint. The key here may not be to speed up, but rather to slow down. Anders Skagerberg is both a money-optimizing nerd, a CFP and an enrolled agent, as well as a family man determined to be present and involved no matter what the cost. He is the creator of CoastFiGuy.com as well as the CoastFi podcast. Jessica and Corey are the dynamic duo who go by the name The Pioneers. They started their blog, TheFioneers.com, in 2018 to chronicle their journey to financial independence. On the way, they coined the term SlowFi to describe their approach. Anders, Jess, and Corey, welcome to Earn and Invest. Jess, let's start with you. I'm going to do something today which we normally don't do, which is spend a lot of time on the financial independence, retire early, or fire movement. In your opinion, has the fire movement reached its peak? I think that's a great question because I do think there are still people who hear about this idea of financial independence and getting there quickly and retiring early and they're motivated by it. But I think that most people don't resonate with that because I think most people don't have such a high paying job and a life situation where they could grind it out and become financially independent in their 30s. That's not realistic for most people. And so for people who can do that, 
by all means, grind it out in your 20s and become financially independent in your 30s. You're likely still going to work. That's what I've seen for people, right, who who do achieve financial independence when they're young. So for those of us who don't have such high-paying careers, I think it behooves us to take a slower path and design our lives along the way rather than waiting until we could reach full financial independence in our 40s or even our early 50s because we don't need to wait to design the lives that we want until that point. Corey, you and Jess really started what we call today the slow-fi movement. But before we get into the specifics of that, tell me, Corey, when did you realize that traditional fire may not be for you? Because I think probably you guys, like the rest of us, learned about it, maybe went down the rabbit hole. But there had to be a reckoning where you said, okay, you know, this sounds great, but I don't know if I can do this exactly the way the people whose blogs I'm reading and the podcasts I'm listening to are doing it. Yeah, that's interesting because when I first learned about FI or FIRE movement, I actually didn't think it applied to me. So the narrative that I had heard at that time was that people were working in high income jobs, retiring, and then doing some other work, whether it be philanthropy or other work to give back. And so I was kind of caught in this this point where I was thinking, you know, this narrative doesn't apply to me. I'm already working for a nonprofit and and earning a living wage. And so it felt like a different narrative, like I was on a different track, but I was paying close attention. And so the ideas of high and fire and kind of incremental financial freedom really stuck with us or stuck with me. And then slowly I would share that with Jess at the dinner table or when we were reviewing our finances and say, hey, you know, if we saved 5% more of our income next year, this would give us a little bit more freedom down the, the down the road. And so I think that it was years and years, probably seven or eight years of just kind of learning about the fire movement until I was like, wait a second, this could apply to us and we could pursue FI more officially. And then I think it was a combination of Jess's circumstances, which she can speak to in her job, that really brought us to this idea that it doesn't have to be in this traditional sense of you work for 10 to 20 years, saving a high percentage, and then retiring and doing whatever the hell you want. So it was around 2017 that Corey actually introduced me officially to financial independence and the retire early movement. And originally I was like, this sounds neat, but like, I'm not sure I want to like deprive myself for the next 10 years so that we're able to reach full financial independence. Um, And I was in a really toxic job at the time working, you know, 50 hour weeks, commuting an hour and a half plus each day. And so I think I had this sinking feeling that was like this this traditional fire thing is not going to work for for me in in my situation. And I th- and I think at first it was like okay, well, we'll try it. I don't know what other options exist. And then in mid 2018, I actually had a pretty serious mental health crisis where I started having panic attacks and really severe anxiety and that was really a wake up call. For me, because I was really, truly unable to work for about six months. 
And so that was really a turning point for us to say, we can't do this in the traditional way. Like we need to figure out a different approach that'll work for us. Anders, I want to explore in this podcast today the tension between what Jess and Corey practice, which is slow fi, and what you practice, which is coast fi, and then the traditional fire method. I want to kind of explore that tension and whether they're the same thing or not as we go further. But before we even get to what those things are, when you started your journey, did you feel like you were part of the fire movement? Do you now consider yourself a fire advocate or do you think of what you do as something kind of different? Yeah, it's a it's a great question. When I started the fire move in the fire movement, I definitely felt like it did apply to me, but because I I needed it to apply to me. I was working as an electrician at the time and it was great work. I was making great money. But it wasn't work that I loved and I needed a way out. And I looked at fire as a a bit of a lifeline that I could potentially someday save enough money and have enough invested that I wouldn't have to do work I didn't love anymore. So so when I found it, I was all in and I didn't care who was writing what. I looked at it and I said, I need this to work for me because I need to get out of the situation that I'm in. And then there was kind of this natural evolution along the way when I heard about Coast Fi and Slow Fi. And and when I think about Coast Fi and Slow Fi, I think about Slow Fi as kind of a a broad movement that Coast Fi is just one of the the many avenues of Slow Fi in this more broad movement. And I think about Slow Fi and Fire on kind of opposite ends of the fire spectrum. Mm -hmm. So full fire, I think about it on the fully aggressive, fully financially independent side, and then slow fire on the more balanced, sustainable, slower path where you're still getting many of the benefits of financial independence, but it doesn't come with any of the aggressive pursuit of a specific number. And I don't know what it is about Coast Fi that I latched onto. Maybe it's Maybe it's that it's so defined and I needed that for me as I'm I'm somebody that likes to have a clear definition, clear boundaries of, you know, what it is that I'm pursuing and the strategy that I'm going for. And I actually heard Jess come on the Choose FI podcast talking about Coast Fi back in 2020. And I had never heard of this, you know, amazing new idea that I was pretty sure I had heard of everything in the fire movement at that point. So to hear about this this group of people that are, you know, taking their foot off the gas in this movement that's all about like pedal to the metal, work as hard as you can for as long as you can for as fast as you can. And then I realized, wait, there's people that are doing this completely differently. And they sound like they're having a lot of fun while they're doing it and really enjoying their journey to fire. And it hit me at the perfect time because at at the time I heard about Coast Fi, I was just miserable in my path to fire. I was making the most money I had ever made, but working the longest hours, I was waking up in the middle of the night, completely stressed out of my mind. And then at the same time, my daughter was born. So I became a dad all at this inflection point where I heard about Coast Fi and thought, hey, maybe this could be a better route 
for what I want to do with my life and what my family is going for than the the typical path to fire. So I think there's a there's a pretty healthy tension between what I would call coast fi and slow fi and the traditional fire movement. But at the end of the day, we're all going for the same thing. We all want to live a life that lights us up and that we love. We're just kind of going about it different ways. And that's okay. I think everybody has to pick the path that feels right for them. But I think there's a lot of benefits to each different route. I feel like they all go under the rubric of lifestyle design, which I think we're going to talk about as we go further. But before we do, I think we need some definitions. Anders, let's start with you. What exactly is CoastFi? CoastFi is reaching a point where savings is optional. So if you never saved another dime, you would have enough at a point in the future that you could fully retire. Now, that point in the future is a different point for everybody. For some people, they might be targeting a age 55 full retirement. For some, it might be more like age 65 full retirement. But whatever the case, it's getting your savings to a point where if you just let it sit and grow and grow, it'll it'll reach a point where you can fully retire in the future. And then all you have to do in the meantime is work enough to cover your living expenses. So I like to think of it like you've ridden your bike to the top of a hill, and then you start to just coast on the way down the hill. You kind of take your feet off the pedals and you know, you're still steering and you have to stay on the bike path but you don't have to pedal hard. You just kind of let that force of gravity, or in this case, compound interest, take you to the finish line. And, you know, you get to enjoy the scenery along the way. You just kind of, you know, hang out, work enough to cover your living expenses and kind of build this flexible lifestyle. So Jess, Anders just gave us a description of what COSFI is. Tell us about what SLOFI is and why you guys coined the term. So I think of SlowFi as less of a strategy and more of a philosophy. So similar to like the slow movement or slow food or slow travel, right? The focus around it, it's more about intentionality and less about the speed in which you go. It's the fact that you're making intentional choices about what you want to be doing and how quickly you want to be doing it. So SlowFi, then I think of it as it's using the financial freedom that you're building along your path to financial independence to design a life that you truly love today. And that can look different for different people. So as we talked about, CoastFi is sort of one of those financial milestones along the journey where you don't have to save another dime and I think about it that like many people who are pursuing fire are saving 50% of their income, 40% of their income. If they didn't have to do that anymore and only had to cover their actual expenses, that gives people so much freedom. But other options as well are having, you know, a really solid FU fund, right? Or really solid liquid savings that could allow you to take a mini retirement or start a business. Or another option that I think about is this semi-retirement or barista fire approach where you get past Coast Fi, right? And you get to a point where you could start to pull some money out of your portfolio, but you still need to generate some active income, usually from something that you really love to do. 
right? And so you're able to, you know, only need to generate 10 to 20 thousand dollars a year in active income that will still allow you to reach your full financial independence goal by 55, 65, somewhere in there. And those are ways that people can grab hold of the the options that they have long before reaching financial independence and really get a ton of the benefits of reaching full fire without actually needing to like grind it out and get there. Yeah. And I think one of the things that Jess was just emphasizing with SloFi is that it's incremental or that it emphasizes this aspect that financial freedom can be incremental. One of the things that I found with traditional fire is that it often emphasized this kind of two-stage journey of either before reaching FI and after FI. But our experience with life is it's a lot of small changes along the way. and it allows you to both test out things along the way of, hey, what would my life look like if I reduce the hours of my work or whatever it might be? You don't have to make drastic changes. You can make small incremental changes and do that by testing or experimenting. Anders, as we continue this conversation, we keep on coming back to this idea of burnout. Do you think like the slow fi and coast fi movements are pretty much a reaction to burnout that maybe people are finding that they just don't have the energy to pursue the traditional path as much as we thought we would. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting question I haven't thought a lot about, but in in a way it makes sense. I mean, you if you're in the fire movement, you're likely pushing pretty hard and pretty fast to reach your fire number and you know, you're kind of you're opening the door to burnout in a way. Um, so I think I think it makes a lot of sense that these these new movements have popped up within the fire movement because you get a lot of people that are like, holy shit, I can't keep doing this at this pace. Like I'm pulling my hair out. I'm waking up in the middle of the night. I, I just can't continue this. But they know they don't want kind of the typical nine to five lifestyle that people have so they they look out and they say okay what else is out there if i'm if i'm not maybe built for the aggressive pursuit of fire but i still want to live an intentional life and design a life that that really makes sense for me and my family what else can i do and i think that's where slow fi and coast fi i think that's where they come in big is you can still get a lot of the benefits of financial independence i like to say you get 80% of the benefits of FI, but you only do 20% of the work. It's like hitting the easy button on the path to fire. And and I think for most people, if they fully understood slow FI and coast FI and what they could get in terms of lifestyle design with minimal effort, I think they'd really love it. In some ways, it seems like coast fi and slow fi in in those ideas is almost a way that the fire movement is maturing right in in the sense that kids see everything as black and white right it's so easy you know and younger younger people often see things as black and white it's all or nothing right and that's how it felt like the fire movement was very early on and it makes sense right when you when there's something new a new idea it's usually seen as well you're either this or you're not this right and so it's more of that of that all or nothing 
and I think like I've been, I was inspired by a lot of people who were starting to make those changes and early fire content creators who were saying, this is the path I took. I want you who, you know, whoever in my audience to take a different path because it's not all or nothing. Right. And so I think this is in some ways a natural evolution of the movement and maturation of it where it's not people are realizing that it is not something that's all or nothing and that there's all of this huge gray area in between. Corey, I like that idea that that it's a maturation and that we're realizing that it's not all or nothing. Part of the problem with the fire movement was actually the RE retire early. That is black and white, right? This idea of I accrue enough money and then I stop working. Do you think some of Slow Fi and Coast Fi, those movements are actually a backlash against this idea that we need to get as fast to not working as possible? Yeah, that's that's a really interesting question. It it very well could be. What I find is that those who have reached the traditional fire and who have quit working often continue or start working again in some untraditional way, whether that be starting a side business supporting a philanthropic effort. There is work that, especially those who achieve fire at an early age, are often those who are really productive individuals and want to keep being productive. So it it, it might be a backlash, but it also might just be a better definition of the movement in general. Anders, it starts making me think. Like if we had all the money in the world, how would our lives be different today than they are? So let me pose to you that dream, Anders. You did something which almost no fire practitioner or follower does is you decided to go buy a bunch of lottery tickets and lo and behold, you win $20 million. How would your life change today? How would your daily activities change? Well, that's a fun question to think about. So, okay, I just came into $20 million. You know, some things might change in my life. I might buy a little bit of a nicer house. and But functionally, I, I feel at this point, my family and I, we've built a lifestyle and kind of a flow of our lives that we truly love. I mean, yesterday I took most of the day and I just rode the bike to the park with my daughter And we just played at the park for like three or four hours before her nap. And I think even if I came into $20 million, I pray to God, I would still be doing that same thing. Like I don't want that. That was one thing I realized when I was pursuing fire is I was so focused on the fire number that I had constrained my lifestyle. So it's like, imagine like a beach ball and I'm just shoving this beach ball underwater And then hoping someday when I reach my fire number, I'll just release it and it'll like this beach ball will pop up out of the water. It's, you know, if I had, if I had hit the lottery while I was aggressively pursuing fire, a lot of things might've changed. But at this point, I've built a pretty awesome lifestyle that I don't want to stop playing pickleball in the morning and taking my kids to the park. I love that stuff. And even if I had $20 million, I would still want to be doing the same things you know, maybe, you know, maybe, like I said, maybe a little bit of a nicer house, maybe some nicer things. Maybe I'd spend some of that money on some, you know, luxury vacations with my family. But other than stuff like that, the lifestyle we've built at this point using 
the freedom that we've gotten from Coastify, I wouldn't trade that for anything and no amount of money would change that. So I want to ask actually a follow-up question before, because I want to answer this question too, but I want to ask a follow-up question to Anders. How would your work change if you won $20 million? That's one thing I'm very curious about. It's a great question. So my work at this point, I've kind of found this, this sweet spot where I can make a decent income writing content for financial advisors. And the funny thing about me is I really, really enjoy that. To most people, that would be like pulling teeth, but I love sitting down with a topic, whatever it might be, you know, investing for retirement, any of these kind of personal finance topics and putting my own spin on it and writing, you know, a thousand words that I hope will will reach somebody who needs to hear this message, or it's going to be a little bit of a light bulb moment for people. So I think even if I won $20 million, I would still keep working in some capacity. I would still be writing articles and creating content for financial advisors because I personally get a lot of satisfaction out of the work that I'm doing. And I believe, and I know everybody believes different things, but I think work is actually a very important part of a healthy satisfied and balanced life. I think I think we get a lot of satisfaction out of doing things that we're good at and getting better at them and putting value out into the world, whatever that is for you. Everybody's value looks different, but I get a lot of satisfaction shipping my articles and knowing, hey, that's going to end up on somebody's website. Somebody's going to read that article and it has the potential to be a little light bulb moment for somebody. And Jeff, you you said you wanted to answer the question. So same question goes to you. Darn it. You asked a really great question too, which I should have asked as the host, but I didn't. So how would your life change if you won $20 million in the lottery? What would you be doing differently today than you are now? I'm not sure that I would be doing anything differently. And that's a really like exciting realization. So right now, Corey and I are actually on a like three and a half month camper van adventure, exploring the Southwest and the mountain region in the US. And I'm working like 15 hours a week running the coaching programs that I run, which I absolutely love to do, you know, working on planning the the slow fi retreat, which has been a dream of mine for years and years. And we've just been like exploring and hiking almost every day. And like, even if I won $20 million, I would still want to do the work that I'm doing. It's possible that it that, that work could evolve and I, I could potentially be doing it in different ways. Though that that is a question I often think about and use as a guiding force generally in my work is if I didn't need any income from this, would I be approaching this work any differently? And I try to orient myself around doing the things that I would do anyway, even if I were fire. I do think that life would look very much the same. And it's interesting because for the last few years, I've said, I want to make so many small incremental changes in my life so that when I hit financial independence, it's just another day. Like I'm already living the life that I want to be living and nothing needs to change. And I actually feel like that's a reality. 
right now, which is really exciting to reflect on. We are talking to Anders Gagerberg, who is the creator of Coastify.com, as well as Jess and Corey from The Pioneers. And we are talking about lifestyle design through financial independence, the Coastify and SlowFi movements. We're going to take a short break. I'm Doc G, and this is the Earn and Invest podcast. This episode is brought to you by Range Rover Sport. Range Rover Sport leads by example. With a visceral, uncompromising, and dramatic feel, this car helps you rise to the occasion. How does it do that? Range Rover Sport has powerful on-road performance and commanding all-terrain capability by combining assertiveness with signature Range Rover refinement. This is the car that redefines sporting luxury. The new Range Rover Sport features advanced cabin technologies such as active noise cancellation and cabin air purification, purposeful cockpit-like driving position, and award-winning PIVI Pro infotainment is at the heart of the experience and provides intuitive control of the vehicle systems. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. Once again, explore and build your Range Rover Sport at L-A-N-D-R-O-V-E-R. USA.com. That's LandRoverUSA.com. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up to date first party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, service key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and shows you hidden allies so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. LinkedIn Sales Navigator is a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash earn. That is linkedin.com slash E-A-R-N for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash earn and get started. Let me reintroduce you. We are talking to Anders Skagerberg is both a money optimizing nerd, a CFP, as well as an enrolled agent, as well as a family man determined to be present and involved no matter what the cost. He is the creator of Coastify.com. And Jess and Corey are the dynamic duo who go by the name The Pioneers. They started their blog at TheFioneers.com in 2018 to chronicle their journey to financial independence on the way they coined the term SlowFi to describe their approach Corey, let's put you on the hot seat here. We heard what Jess would be doing if she won $20 million in the lottery, which was nothing very much different. I'm wondering if you have the same outlook. So I don't. And that's ultimately because I'm still figuring it out. It's it's ironic because I've been pursuing five for five years. But my path, while I consider our path together, joint, my path in terms of what I do for work and productive time that I'm spending has been so laser focused on continuing my day job, which I just left two and a half months ago. 
And so now I'm in the kind of the part of the journey where I'm figuring out what I want to do with my time. And I have the luxury, given that we have achieved Coast Fi and then some, to be able to take some time to figure that out. I don't, we don't have to have me earning income to cover our expenses right now. And so as a good example of this, I just, uh, we just launched our YouTube channel because for many, many years, I'd always loved the idea of creating video, but never really felt like I had the mental space to commit to that type of project. And just the other day, I was spending probably five hours of constant work editing a video because I'm still learning video editing. It takes me that long, but I found myself just loving the work. And so I, I would think there's something to do with the type of work that I'm experimenting, but I'm the, the answer is I'm still figuring that out. And I think that's okay. And often what people are going through. So Anders, I was really intentional in asking you about the lottery because I want to get to this idea that what we're talking about is lifestyle design, right? Most people think they need money to design the life they want to have. And yet I hear at least you and Jess both say, look, even if I had $20 million, I'd hopefully do be doing the same things I'm doing today. Maybe this is a criticism of the fire movement or just people in general. Why do you think we've figure that we need money to design the lives we want. Because I feel like when we really talk about slow-fi and coast-fi, what we're really doing is we're trying to contradict that narrative. Yeah, I think it's a really great question. But I think the reason we all feel we need money to live the life we want is because we think that work is standing between us and the life we want. I think there's this common narrative in the fire movement that work is the enemy of your freedom. And I don't think it's true. I think for a lot of people, they grab onto the fire movement because just like me, when I heard about the fire movement, I thought, man, I do not love the work I'm doing. And this feels like a path out. So I think, and and I think this is challenging because most of us haven't had the space in our lives to explore different avenues of work and see what, you know, what a good work situation might look like. Or even, you know, I think frankly, for a lot of people, they've found work that they love, but they're doing it in an amount that does not fit the ideal lifestyle at all. Maybe they're doing work that they're very passionate about, but it's 40, 50, 60 hours a week they look to the fire movement as a way out of that work. So I think once you realize, and, and I think this, this is hard and it takes space and the ability to explore different avenues. And it does take a little bit of financial independence to do this because, you know, not everybody can downshift their work and say, you know, say to their employer, Hey, what if I only worked three out of five days a week? Most people don't have that luxury. But if you've been aggressively pursuing fire and you're kind of working through the different milestones of financial independence, you might have that luxury to, to go to your employer and say, Hey, I would, I would love to keep doing the work I'm doing, but at, you know, maybe a reduced schedule. I think a lot of people would find that is their ideal lifestyle. They don't have to become fully financially independent and live off of their investments. They just have to do 
work they love at a pace that fits their ideal lifestyle. And then I feel like at that point, you've beat the game, you've figured it out. That is intentionally designing a lifestyle that works for you. And I think you also have to be open to this idea that once you're on that path, it's going to continue to evolve. So, you know, maybe initially it's, I just want to keep doing the same work I'm doing at three days a week instead of five. But maybe over time you realize, hey, I don't actually love this work anymore. I'd love to be self-employed. I'd love to start some sort of business. And then you start to lean into that and explore that avenue as well. But, you know, to circle back to the original question, I just think it's, we're all confused and we think that work is what's holding us back from our ideal lifestyle. And fire, fire is all about reaching a point where work is optional. So we look to that as the ideal path to get us out of this situation. So building on what Anders is saying, I think it's it's not that lifestyle design requires no money, right? I think we do need money for it. We just don't usually need as much money as we think we do. So I think for us originally, we thought, oh, we want to be location independent. And our assumption back in 2018 was we'll have to reach financial independence first in order to do that, right? And so there's people who are saying, well, I would really love to work part-time. I know people who say, well, I think I have to reach financial independence before I can take that risk. And so I think the key here is to say, what's enough? Like, what is what is enough money that would allow me to take that risk and not jeopardize my future self in order to do that? Corey, we've been playing around with this idea of lifestyle design, but our choices come, there's a cost to our choices, right? So we've been talking about all the great things with SlowFi and CoastFi. Are there any negatives? I think so. I think there are negatives as with anything. And I think with a slower path, not earning maybe as much money as you potentially could right now, there is certainly a future risk of needing assisted living or some sort of support that costs money to be able to attain. So I think there are risks. But I think for for us, at least, the risk of not choosing that slower path was much higher and much more severe. And so it, it is a calculation of risks and what you're comfortable with, what you would regret not doing, perhaps. Anders, it's an interesting question, right? Because we are conservative people, at least those traditional people who got into the financial independence retire early movement. And so we really like resiliency. We really like this idea there could be a nuclear war, we could get you know, a world war, and we're going to have a 2% safe withdrawal rate, and we're going to survive <laughs> it all and still not have to go back to work. Is there the risk of life getting in the way or maybe causing problems with some of this lifestyle design, a health emergency, a down market or down economy? I mean, are we less resilient if we take on these paths? Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a really great point. I don't know that we're necessarily less resilient on a slower or coast five path, but you know, you you do embrace some risk with these strategies. I mean, with with Coast Five specifically, you're you're kind of 
you need to work. I mean, there's no way around that. And if, if for whatever reason you reach a point where let's say, you know, my future retirement date is 60, but in my fifties, I'm completely out of work and I can't find anything to earn an income. That's a huge risk that I face, but like anything, you have to be aware of the different risks that you're going to embrace and solve for them the best you can. But I don't think you can, I guess you can do this, but I wouldn't recommend it. I don't think think you should build your lifestyle only looking at the risks that you face and and being too fearful that you won't be able to overcome them. I think, and this is just kind of a personal philosophy, I think we can overcome anything that we're faced with, but I do think it's good to go into things with eyes wide open and realize that, hey, if you're going to coast to financial independence, you are embracing the risk that you might not be able to work as late as you thought. So if you if you think about all of our risk appetites on a spectrum, if you know the most conservative is on one end and the least conservative is on the other, two people might look at that risk and say, you know, one might say, okay, I want to be fully financially independent with my Coast Fi strategy by age 50. That that would be pretty conservative. And another person might say, I'm okay with a little more risk that, you know, that maybe I can't find employment in my 50s. And, you know, maybe I push my date out to age 60. So everybody has to do what feels right for them. But absolutely, there's risks. And especially with investing, you know, we're all building these strategies predicated on this idea that, you know, the stock market is going to continue generating positive returns in the future. You know, we all hope that will happen. And, and history suggests that that will continue to happen but even the you know the fire movement it's it's built around this idea that you can safely withdraw 4% per year from your portfolio and you need a you need a positive return to do that in the stock market so i think you know no matter what we're talking about there's going to be risks there it's just important to identify what those are and then look internally and say, okay, what is my risk appetite? And then what should I, how should I adjust my plan to fit what I'm comfortable with individually? In thinking about some, something that Anders said earlier, the analogy of you're riding the bike up the hill and then you get to the point where you're coasting and it's not like we're putting on blindfolds and taking our hands off the handlebars and saying like, okay, now I'm only covering my actual expenses for the next 30 years and I can't change my plan or adjust anything, right? And so I think, it, right, it's really important to for anybody, right? A traditional fire pursuer, someone who's per, you know pursuing any kind of slow fire, coast fi path, to stay aware, right? Keep the hands on the handlebars, look around, decide on an annual basis. Like, is this the path that I still want to be on? Does this path work for me? Is this path going to get me to my ultimate goal? And I think with that, as long as people are able to make those adjustments with eyes wide open, I actually think that a coast fi path leaves someone more resilient than someone on a fire path because pe- many people who are pursuing fire, they may get to a point where they're generating no income 
And it's probably, I would imagine, a lot harder to then adjust and figure out how to generate some income when you haven't been working for 10 years. Whereas someone who's been working to cover their expenses or generating, you know, even a semi-retired person generating twenty or $30,000 a year, I imagine can a, a lot more easily just turn that dial up if they need to than someone who hasn't been generating income at all. For me personally, I think that actually gives me more peace of mind that that I can be even more resilient than someone who is pursuing fire, retiring early and hoping to not ever work again. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing, actually, that it makes you more resilient. So it's funny, we're clearly on the same page. But I was thinking of even Anders' story. He's developed skills and made himself more marketable since he's really leaned into Coast Fi. And so, and I know that's true of many others who have adopted the slow Fi or Coast Fi mentality. Well, Anders, Corey, and Jess, I wanted to thank you for coming on today. As I think about this conversation, I feel like on the top of the page, we have this two words, lifestyle design. And if you work through it, lifestyle design, we've really broken that up into two possibilities, kind of traditional retirement versus FIRE, financial independence, retire early. And as we look at FIRE, we started with this idea of front-loading the sacrifice, grinding it out, and quitting work as soon as possible. But now we have some other players like Coast Fi and Slow Fi. And in a sense, I really feel like we have an evolution as we've gotten smarter and smarter about how to live our lives. And ultimately we get to this point where we can start having that lifestyle design today immediately as opposed to waiting to sometime further off in the distance. And yet it gives us the flexibility, as you guys were saying, to change our minds, to mix it up as necessary, to react what's happening, not only in the economy, but in our lives and with our families. I wanted to end this episode the way I end every episode by asking you all what is up next in your life and where people can find you. Anders, let's start with you. What is going on with CoastFiGuy.com and how can people reach out to you? Yeah, so so kind of the latest with CoastFiGuy.com, it's kind of slow and steady on my end. We just had a new baby boy. He's six weeks old. Congrats. So I'm definitely leaning into the season of parenting, being at home and spending time with the kids in the house, which, you know, there's part of me that that wants to focus more on coastfiguy.com, but it, it's all in season. So if you want to check out the website, go there. I've got the podcast, the blog, feel free. You can drop comments. I, I read everything people send my way and and I'm always happy to take on new ideas about CoastFi if you've got a question or anything, anything that I can help with. So yeah, coastfiguide.com and there's the podcast and the blog there. And Jess, it seems like you guys are in the season of being more nomadic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we are currently, as we said, on a three and a half month road trip. We'll be heading back to our home base at the end of June. So we'll spend a couple of months in Boston before hitting the road again. And on the travel side of things, I'm, I think we're not sure yet what the future holds. You know, there's ideas that we've been throwing around about, you know, putting up our apartment on furnished finders, you know, and to be able to travel longer, 
but I think we're we're waiting, right? This is an experiment right now. And so we're waiting until this trip to figure out what what we what we want to experience it, assess it, and then decide how we want to adjust things moving forward. And Corey, what is the best way for people to interact with the Pioneers platform if they have any questions or certainly tell us how they can see your YouTube channel? Yeah, they can find us at thepioneers.com. And we did just launch our YouTube channel. It is youtube.com at pioneers. So without the the before it, and then everywhere else on social, Instagram, Facebook, at the pioneers. Well, Anders, Jessica, and Corey, thank you for coming on Earn and Invest today. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for having us. Thank you. That's a wrap. Earn and Invest is now part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to this show as well as other fine podcasts. I never wanted Earn and Invest to be a financial independence retire early podcast. Now, don't get me wrong. On this show, we talk a lot about financial independence, and the truth is fire changed my life As you all know, I was in the midst of burnout as a physician. I knew I had escape, but I didn't know how. And when I discovered the financial independence movement, I all of a sudden had an answer for what is enough money. And that answer allowed me to move on with my life and stop doing something that wasn't serving me. The problem, though, was that fire didn't really solve any of my problems. It didn't make me happy. It didn't give me a sense of purpose. It didn't help me decide how I wanted to spend my days after money was less of a consideration. It was a wonderful thing to strive towards, but it didn't make me any happier. My path to happiness was a much harder journey. I had to figure out who I was, what I wanted, what activities fulfilled me, what it felt like purpose in my life, and how to live those out. And so the truth of the matter is, in this post-financial independence world, I try to spend less time thinking about money, my money specifically, spend less time looking at my accounts and signing into Vanguard and worrying about index funds and the stock market. And spend more time just living it. And so the FIRE movement, in some ways, doesn't serve me as well as I thought it would. But I'm not the only one. And in fact, after talking to Anders and Corey and Jess, I realized that the basic financial independence narrative isn't speaking to a lot of young people today. I think the narrative worked for the first generation of fire practitioners, those of us who had jobs that we didn't want and were willing to grind it out, make high salaries, and escape. That worked for those early fire practitioners. But as the movement has evolved, as young people are getting involved, we realize 
that it no longer speaks to them. They don't want to wait until some later date to start living. They don't want to center their lives around this idea of accumulating more money and what net worth makes them feel like they're financially independent. What they're really interested in is what this episode today was about, which is lifestyle design, creating the life you want to live, not tomorrow, not in 10 years, not once you're retired, but today. What's interesting is this new group of people who are also interested in financial independence have realized how to understand the money aspect, how to support their lifestyle design. And thus we have Coast-Fi and Slow-Fi Basically, what these are, are these are mechanisms of doing what you want to do, designing the life you want, but then building your financial house around those activities, that sense of meaning and purpose. I think fire has evolved in great ways. And so I think slow fire and coast fire are types of fire, but they're not subtypes. They're actually that traditional financial independence evolved into a much better form, a form that fits our lives today, a form that allows us to be our best selves. The key here, and what I've been saying as I've talked about my book, Taking Stock, and I think the same truth holds true, it's really about using money as a tool to live the life we want to live, not accumulating money as a goal or as an endpoint. And so I'm really happy with what I've seen occur in financial independence, I'm really happy with this evolution away from money and towards lifestyle design. And I think the content we produce around financial independence should also evolve. And therefore, like I said at the beginning, I don't really want to see Earn and Invest as a financial independence podcast anymore because I think it's evolved. What we're really talking about is living our best lives doing what we want to do, being who we want to be, and making sure the money is there to support. Just that. Awesome. I leave things running just for a few minutes as we have our after show or, or continue uh, talking about things off mic. Off mic. Um, is there anything I didn't ask you guys that you think is important to this conversation? Nothing that I can think of. One thing I did hope to share, I wanted to share the the parable of the three brothers from your book. I really loved that story. Oh, very cool. I was hoping to work it in somehow, but it didn't happen. <laughs> but no worries, no worries. Such a good story. <laughs> Thank you. I uh, People are sick of me talking about it, but probably wouldn't right. be sick of other people talking about right. it. But. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's funny. And I'm sure, Jess and Corey, you can relate to this, too. Like, when you came up with this concept of slow fi you're like, oh, this is just this idea, right? This this terminology I'm going to use. And it ended up really being meaningful to people. For me, kind of, the Three Brothers was the same way. It's like, one day I'm just sitting there, and I love writing, and I love telling stories. So this is not completely outside of, of my wheelhouse. Um, but I wrote this story that really became very sentinel to my beliefs about how we do lifestyle design, actually. Um, 
And yeah, it's just kind of funny, those epiphanies of those things that become kind of important to the content you create and what you believe in and how they just kind of come out of nowhere, uh, but end up summarizing a lot of what you what you mean and get sticky enough that, that it means something to other people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah when I read sure. that, I was like, man, I want to build a life like the youngest brother. I want the the path to be the entire journey to where even if I reached the destination I would say hi to everybody and then I'd turn back around and start walking back the way I came because it, it was so enjoyable. So yeah, I loved that. I didn't know I, I figured that was a that was a story that had already been created. I didn't know you actually wrote that story. That's amazing. Yeah, no, that was yeah. but I think that if you look at all of us, for instance, what what financial independence really does at its best is it gives you the confidence to become the younger brother. Yeah. Yeah. What always is so hard and what I think you guys actually are really speaking to, which is wonderful, is you're saying, no, 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 don't wait till you're financially independent. Become the younger brother earlier. Now, I'm not Pollyanna. I realize that, you know, work can be stressful. And whenever you work for someone else and they're telling you what to do, it's not like you always love your job. But the question is, can you create that kind of work-life balance where work se- becomes a little more seamless with your joys and your passions and your lifestyle design such that you don't have to get to the end of the path like getting to the end of the road is just not as important anymore right because you're just digging where you're at and i think that's kind of what really slow and coast fire are i think we're we're finding creative ways to say similar things like mine is much more of a parable and a kind of more lofty but what you guys are talking about is the specifics no no, no this is exactly how you do this um but I think it's I think we're we're tweaking these same ideas and they're coming together. And I think that's exactly what content evolution and thought evolution really is. Right. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah. One one thing that we didn't talk about. Is the fact that, like, I think we all have fears of scarcity. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Like we do. We're, you know, like we're. I think Corey and I are some of the most like risk averse people. We have like a plan A and a plan B and a plan C and a plan D and right. Like all of those things, but that I think people who are taking slower paths, we've had to learn the skills to like work through in strategies to work through those, that scarcity mindset to say, okay, like, what what's really true in this situation like what where would where how like truly legitimately what do my finances allow me to do in this situation and working through some of those fears and doing like that sort of fear setting exercise of like if this happened what would i do and would i still be okay if this happened what would i do and would i still be okay um and so Yeah, I think sometimes people get this perception that like, we're just like really, I don't know, like brave or like, I don't know what the right word is, right? That, But but like, we're different, yeah, you know, and like fearless. And that's like, really, really not true. I think one of the, one of the problems with traditional fire is the truth of the matter is one of the best ways to do deal with risk aversion as well as scarcity is to maintain some income. And we don't like to talk about that, but knowing who most of us are, especially being as conservative as we are, 
the idea of I can find some income source that can be a tenth or a quarter or whatever of what I would make into a full-time job, but that will be both rather enjoyable or at least reasonable as well as you know, something I can carry on without too much stress for the next 10, 15 years really takes what feels like a shaky fire plan and makes it rock solid. And I think we underestimate how much a little income strengthens your plan. And so again, this goes back a little bit to SloFi and CoSFi because they really utilize this idea of how can we maintain some income and yet live the life we want to live. And so I I think, you know, you can argue safe withdrawal rates to your blue in the face, or you can just accept the idea that I can get a little bit of income and not worry about it ever again. Three, yeah. 3.5, four, I don't care because I'm making 10% extra a year that I wasn't planning on making. And that's bringing my safe withdrawal rate down effectively to 2.5, which is very safe or whatever. But so I agree. Like I don't, just because I got my finances in order doesn't mean that I don't still, you know, have panic or anxiety about money. It's just what are the easiest ways to deal with that that allow you to kind of go on, move ahead and not spend overly huge amounts of time worrying about it. And I think still fine coast five because most people probably will continue doing these things even after maybe they get to that, even after they finally coasted to that net worth pie in the sky number or, or, you know, I think people continue probably because at some point you're like, oh, this is not a bad life. I kind of like a little schedule. And I like having that meeting every Monday morning with those five people who I've now known for years and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great point. It, you know, it definitely adds resiliency to your plan. And then like the cherry on top is you also live a better life. I think if you're doing meaningful work and putting your value out into the world, you're going to get so much satisfaction from that. Like, Nobody actually wants to hit fire at age 40 and then just like retreat and withdraw from the world and never work again. I think that's just a fallacy. We all want to do meaningful work with our lives because we do have a lot of time. And ideally, we will be on this earth for quite some time. You know, it's we we don't have that time guaranteed, but ideally, we're going to live for a long time and we're going to want to do work that lights us up for a lot of years. So. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts.